Tell him to suck your dick. working out fine let's go everything everywhere all at once (laughs) should should i lead with my unpopular opinion i feel like i feel like it totally whiffed the last like 15 minutes and i had a really hard time recovering from that i oh yeah that's it that's well i i knew when i watched it uh, the first thing i thought of i was like cat is going to hate the life of this and this, it, it, felt, it, it did feel like it ended a few times. Like you, you literally popped into my mind and heart. And as I was watching this movie, I said, like, "Cat is going to hate the length on this movie." So until I'd say the last probably 20 minutes or so, I was not aware of the length. And then the last 20 minutes or so felt like 45, and I was like, "Hmm." Mm. Is so, it because I, of the severe emotional pivot that the movie makes? Well, I think it's because, like, I didn't even dislike that. I think it just seemed like there were too many, like, they were like, okay, this is a big feeling scene, and this is a big feeling scene, and this is a big feeling scene, and also it's going to take us two hours of just insane wackiness to get there. I don't think it needed to end like that. Like, it seemed very clunky, now, I will say Swiss Army Man, which is a movie I also enjoy, has a really similar problem with just not, they do not know how to land that plane. And it feels like here they just, everything is so perfect to like, I would honestly say like the last scene. And the last scene happened and I was like, well, why did this need to happen? This could have been over. And I was like, okay, I guess, fine, sure. It, it, to me, it felt like a director's cut. Like they would yeah. just like, let's just do the whole thing, which would have been cool as a director's cut. I, there are probably like two or three spots where the movie could end. Even the fake ending, like that could have been an ending, you know? But for That made me laugh. I really It was hilarious. It was hilarious. Nicole was mad as hell. I'm like, honey, it's a work. Just give it a second. And um I, I think that there are probably like two or three times where the movie could end and be done. You know, like that mm-hmm. be it, and that's all. But um, if this were again a director's cut, it would be. I think the length would be just fine because it's like, well, I want all that insanity that I had. You mean there's more insanity? Yes, please. But we don't get a choice because it's just like here's everything. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it could have. I think it should have ended in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. I think that to me, I was like, okay, that's it. This is the like. I get it. They're choosing this. That just ending scene, I was like, oh my god. Like, okay. To risk, like, sounding like I'm paraphrasing a Billy Joel song, I did not need to go back to the green again. We have been to the green. We have seen the green. We have left the green. We did not need to return to the green. I appreciated the ending, though. I appreciated that at the end, when we do have the big exposition of her resolving all her relationships with her family. I do like the fact that 
at the end of the movie, we see her prodding the girlfriend because that's how she expresses love. And that's how she, even the girlfriend even knows that's how she expresses love. And I appreciate it. Even the idea that we even get to see them kiss at the end because we never see it in the, in the regular movie as themselves. And I appreciated the embrace in that. So kind of the pump fake endings, like, yeah, there's about three different endings, maybe even four, you can argue. Um, but I, I appreciated the director's cut, uh, as, as Eric eloquently put it. Uh, so I, 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 I'll take the, the grenade for that one. I, I loved it a lot. I would have liked the rock ending. Mm-hmm. I would have just liked it to been like that where, I mean, cause you know, you get the whole nihilist approach and, you know, nothing matters. And, you know, even when she swears and she's like language, you know, and it's like, really it fucking rocks, you know, and she like loosens yeah. up. It's a really cool scene because, like, just the was well, very well written dialogue because these are two rocks talking to each other, like literally sitting there and talking to each other or reading it all, and it's like a it's probably like the coolest conversation to me in the movie. And then like to have ended it there would have been funny, it would have been fine and funny and like kind of tied it all together like the way this movie is. But then even you know taking it more ridiculously with you know the, what happens later with the rocks and it's it's like okay you know but again we've been a great a great director's cut to just like have if we just want more which i would have it's difficult for me to to say that i didn't like it but it just like that the ending specifically but like Part of it may have also just been that in in the great tradition, it was so hyped up to me by film Twitter, by, you know, the group chat, by, you know, other other people telling me, oh, you have to see this. This is the best movie ever that like when I was like, okay, that ending was wild and like not in a good way. And, like, everybody thinks this is the best movie ever. Like, not only did I be like, okay, like, am I missing something? I also had a little bit of this, like, oh, my God, you guys, come on. Patina to it at the end that just made it really, like, (laughs) I I really liked it. It's a four and a half star movie to me. I think it's really spectacular. And there's a lot of really positive stuff that I do want to talk about in it. But man, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking the last half an hour's pacing is like, I really felt like I was kind of getting dragged along behind a truck on wet cement. So I'll kind of say that for my review, I gave it a five-star review on Letterboxd, and I put that I don't think I'll have a better experience in a movie in 2022. And that doesn't necessarily mean I would say the movie is perfect. Um, And even like five star movies that I give, I don't necessarily think that it functions as a perfect piece of of filmmaking, but I think it functions exceptionally well in what it does. And even the idea of the multiple possible spots to end the runtime, you know, even in a theater, you know, I can definitely admit that, you know, I kind of noticed the time Mm -hmm. whenever the emotional uh, tone shift happened. And everything kind of slows down, especially in the um, the the scene in the parking lot where the 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 pacing for it it's much slower, it's much more deliberate, it's much more hinging on 
people emoting than mm-hmm. actual action. And so for that, even though I noticed it, I still appreciated that the directors cleared the lane, gave them the, the spot to kind of act in and kind of just live in those emotions. Even if, you know, some people kind of argue that, you know, how do you how do you kill nihilism with a hug? That's mm-hmm. kind of what the movie kind of tells you. Mm-hmm. And on in one hand, you know, no, not really. But, you know, for the emotional weight that the movie carries and what it wanted to accomplish, I thought they did it extraordinarily well. And I, I found myself, like, really enjoying it, especially when I watched it the second time, you know, kind of being ready for the, the rock conversation mm-hmm. and then the googly eyes on the rock and just sort of anticipating those moments. And yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily perfect, but I think for what I experienced, I think it's going to be the best of this year. I also think that it has some of the best performances by like far and away. I think again, this might just be a case where like, because I got to it like a week after everyone else, uh, you know, because sorry, guys, I have a life outside the podcast. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I think it's like, honestly, the perfect antithesis to a lot of the, the problems I have with Marvel movies. It definitely is for me. Yeah. While it was a really great experience, I did not have like a life changing come to Jesus experience, uh, which I was kind of led to believe I would be having. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you, like, that's what I'm saying. That's you what feel. You, yeah, that's what you feel. You feel how you feel. When we talk about everybody's performance, everybody's performance is like, they're like three or four, at least mm-hmm. for every person. Yeah. So everybody's playing like three or four different characters. And it's like, that's the, the, the demand that was put on them is insane. And like, the way they understood the assignment is just like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is, yeah, all the assignments. I yes. really hope that that performance is like a revelation mm-hmm. and i mean every single like layer of that performance i know that michelle yo in a lot of ways is kind of meant to be the entry point into the movie you're kind of supposed to feel bad for wayman i latched on to him immediately oh yeah definitely even before the little switch yeah yeah, no, like, from him with the divorce papers, him trying to talk to her about, hey, I spoke with someone at church, like, him just trying so hard, like, I was like, all right, well, it's him, like, he's the, he's the one I care about now, cool, <laughs> and then, like, yeah. every time he did it again, and, like, for me, the one where she's the movie star and he's the businessman was the closest I got to, like, actually crying. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that was definitely in the mood for love, and I loved it. Even in that universe where everything went wrong or different, the optimism is still there. Like every Wayman in every universe has this depth of optimism. Yeah. Literally without it, like they can't do anything because he's like alpha, alpha uh, Wayman is like literally trying to repair time. (laughs) But also like he wouldn't do that if he believed it was a lost cause. Like, that optimism is is there in him as well. It's, like, an integral, immovable object about him. And, like, I really liked that because it's not necessarily, like, trying to make a judgment like some people are inherently good, right? Because it isn't. Like, at the end of the day, Jobu Tabaki is not even really the villain as much as she is just the other side of that coin. Yeah. But 
it's really nice to see a movie where actual optimism and idealism and just caring for other people is not punished. Yeah. And it kind of like dances with the nihilism of it all because there's still like a shit ton of nihilism in it. And again, I keep harping on the rocks, but I feel like that is where everything perfectly met and just like just hung out, you know, because it's like, again, shit that shouldn't have been important was still important to a rock. <laughs> like they're just having these deep and profound yeah. conversations. It's sick. If you believe in nothing, why not just be a rock in the middle of fucking nowhere looking at dirt? But also the idea that, like, if nothing matters, nothing matters. Why not choose the the more positive way? You know, like, if nothing matters, then everything also kind of matters. It's not as easy, I think. And I think it does a really good job of, of teasing those ideas apart. I thought Joy's character and the performance... I thought it was it was super eerie because I've actually known people like that in my life and how there's a level of honesty and sort of, you know, vulnerability and really just sort of the longing for not only your parents, but just for understanding. And I think without her and her performance, and I know, um, you know, Michelle and Kehu Kwan I think their performances are excellent, but I think the movie would not succeed if her character just wasn't so believable. I really appreciated her performance. And, you know, I, I'm a super cancer baby. Uh, my mom and dad are both cancers. So, <laughs> uh, so I've never necessarily been a nihilist, but I definitely kind of understood and seen people kind of go the way of life is shit and none of this matters so what the fuck is this really all about and then but not do anything necessarily important with that or kind of even trying to build themselves up and so i think michelle Yu's character i think a lot of people unfortunately can go through life or have long periods of time in their life when they don't have those kind of branches to still reach out to them and say Mm -hmm. you know even though it feels like it doesn't matter we still have each other and right. all this nothingness. And maybe we don't matter in the grand scheme of the universe. We're just people living our lives. But if we're going to live here, let's live here together and love each other together. And everything else will just fall into place. It's also just like depression. That's yeah. what it is. I do feel I've seen quite a lot of reviews that are perhaps a bit minimalizing about like, Oh, well, like, if you're just loved hard enough, like, that will fix you, which is, like, not what it is. And not, I think, what the movie yeah. is trying to say. Yeah. I think it's basically trying to say the world is less shit when there's people who love you. <laughs> the world is shit, but it's a, a little bit less shitty when you have those special people. Yeah. I kind of get why people, like, immediately are kind of jumping to, the, like oh, it's about, like, mental health, or, like, I saw one really kind of weird take where they're like, oh, it's about, like, bipolar. And I was like, okay, go home. Uh, Go home and really think about the movie that you watched. (laughs) Well, that's a problem. They can't, so. Yeah. You know, it's a buzzword, man. BuzzFeed probably stole it from somebody's tweet and then tried to make it a thing. We talk about layers to a blue in the face. This shit had, like, literally everything. Is that everybody just playing... Like, so many, like, different parts, even even switching from, like, what character they're supposed to be to what character they're supposed to be. You know, Grandpa. You know, I cannot remember his, his real name, but um, he was in Wayne's World. You know I mean? Like, I knew him from just being, like, a goofball, you know? And he comes James in. Hong. James yeah. Hong. Yes. 
when you meet him in this film, he's just like, you know, just there. He's suspected to be one way or the other. He's expected to be very old school. And, um, you know, like, they make that, you know, in, in his pivot, it's like, man, damn, he's fucking Nick Fury, you know? But it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like the parts that, these interchangeable parts, it was almost like, it was like Lego movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations, I'm Melisette, and on A Frightful Fret with Melisette, I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette, available everywhere podcasts are, and find us at frightfulfret.net don't forget who would you guys say would be your favorite character i think my favorite character is in the mood for love wayman not only is he suave as fuck like come on bro like other than like crazy rich asians our asians brothers and sisters you know they're not a lot of american films when they can be made to look sexy and they were both fucking fucking smoke shows and my favorite part of his whole character was the whole thing of this is how I fight back. I don't fight back with anger. I fight back with understanding and compassion. And that's how I can survive in the world. And for someone who calls himself Sean Mad Love, I immensely adore that because I really try to live a kind of life to where I really try to be as open and understanding as possible and learn from as much people as possible. And I really felt that his character, and I, I mean, all the Waymans are the, are the exact same for the most part, but they really use that idea of, let's just go the other way. Everything is shit, but let's just give the other way a chance. And, I really and even like, you know, the first Wayman we see, you know, like it's killing him to pass those divorce papers over. Like, he yeah. does not want to do this, but it's just like, bro, I feel like I'm irritating you by just existing so like maybe you know this is well he doesn't even want to like get rid of her or like he just wants to open it up to conversation but in order to like do that he has to like prove he's serious enough yeah to get her attention and like that's also incredibly heartbreaking yes very much so yes well, shit, man, I'm just going to go for OP. I'm, my favorite uh, character, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? one. I'm here for the OP fucking god character who just is just toying with everyone and everybody. The difference, again, we talk about characters and everybody playing different characters. The difference between that original Joy and, you know what I'm saying, Joe Pop, bro, like, it was just like there are two different people playing this role. You know, like, we, you know, as I'm sitting there, and Nicole's, like, asking me, like, is that another actor? I'm like, who's this? I'm like, it's the dog. <laughs> like, we we knew it was. You know what I mean? And, like, the, the tick, tick, tick at the bar, like, she was turning an old-school television to, you know, just kind of, just, just, she didn't need to do that. But it was just, like, I can literally do anything. And she's, like, the most OP character in fiction. And I just, I'm just, I'm just here for it. Like, What's your favorite Goku. fit? She was getting off them fits. Getting off them fits, too. I think it was, um... I'm gonna go with the Elvis one, bro. Because she was... I think she was, <laughs> she was just acting at 
ass when she had that one. It's like, you don't need to do pile driving people on the ceiling. It's fucking amazing, dog. Like, give me all the insanity and then be like, I can do it because. Like, give me all that shit and then just, yeah. I want to see an OP character just doing their thing and, you know, but being able to be somewhat reasoned with. I think my favorite outfit she had I think she only showed it for a second, but it was when she was, like, an all-black, and she had the big-ass, like, Gundam rifle, like, mm-hmm. she, like fucking smoke show. Like, so yes, awesome. blow me away. Please, please blow, blow me away. away. <laughs> End my suffering. I don't, I don't know that I, I can, like, I think it's specifically the women at the end. Where he is yeah. trying to talk to her about, please don't be violent. That you might think that I'm weak, but like I'm not weak. I just get my strength from different things than you. Because like I think that first of all is the moment where actually it is not the divorce papers. It is this moment where he looks into the eye, looks her in the eyes, and says, "I am an equal in this relationship too." Yeah. You know, because he doesn't actually hand her the divorce papers. She finds them and he has to like cover it, you know, and they have to talk about it. But it's like not about that, if that makes sense. Like, he he doesn't even get an opportunity to assert himself there. And when he says, I can't help but feeling like this is all my fault. But he starts like figuring out like, this is how I would fight back. This is what I would do. Like, this is not weakness. And that him not just encouraging her, but also just like. You can see him, even though he's been stabbed through the chest with a window pane, like start standing up straighter and straighter and start pushing his chest out more and and being there not only for her, but for the people that she is helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, I think it's super admirable. I also just the fact that they have a male character doing that, I can't help but think very highly of because that's not necessarily common. Very Steven University. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, it doesn't feel unreal. Like, I was a little worried that it was going to be something, you know, that felt really forced. Like but because a, they... To a cop or some shit? Yeah. Like, yeah. but because we saw it build throughout the movie, and, like, <laughs> his, his... Him snapping is not him getting mean. Him snapping is him getting nicer and more encouraging. <laughs> that was very rare <laughs> very rare but that doesn't feel out of character yeah yeah i know one of the discourse uh and even Captain kind of brought it up was the idea that this movie does a lot more and things a lot better than some of the marvel or dc products well dc is not even a conversation it's marvel <laughs> do you guys think that this will change the way you view Uh, what Marvel movies can do because I definitely feel like we've come to the real kind of cookie cutter kind of, you know, paint by numbers, you know, thing with Marvel to where, you know, I was someone who was really floored by Endgame and Infinity War and the culmination of a decade of these movies. But now the new movies aren't necessarily doing anything for me. The last Spider-Man, it was okay. I gave it a four star. But if I never saw that Spider-Man movie again, I would totally be fine. But for this movie, once it comes on on demand, I'm going to be watching it. I may even catch it again in the movie theaters. 
But I can't necessarily say that about Doctor Strange or the new Thor trailer that leaked. But what do you guys kind of think about that? Do you guys think this will kind of change the way how you kind of view Marvel movies? I don't know if I've ever talked to you about Brother Matt's thesis, but um, he wrote a thesis in college about how Marvel movies actually prime children for increased like police violence and military control like significantly more than it seems like they should. Brother Matt, come on the show. We need this thesis. Uh, Brother Matt does not like to talk about the thesis anymore because writing the thesis was the most stressful time of his, his life. But I'll talk to him about it. But he was like, there's three Marvel movies. It's since become five Marvel movies. But, you know, whatever. Where they don't, it doesn't end with them killing him. They're villain. Yeah. And two of those are the female-led ones, which says, you know, kind of also metatextually that, like, women aren't tough enough. Which is a whole, you know, separate issue, whatever. Once you notice that, like, even the, like, Batman does not kill the Riddler in this new dark, gritty reboot. Because in this dark, gritty reboot, they still know that the Joker, like, the Joker isn't dead either. Like, they know that Batman is here to rehabilitate. And even though I don't necessarily agree with these dark, gross takes, whatever. Like, I see it. Fine. Great. Marvel doesn't do that. Like, the only solution in a Marvel movie is to kill the problem. I've noticed that a lot, and I don't like it. Michelle Yeoh in this movie is really more of a superhero than a lot of the people in the Marvel shows and a lot of the people in the Marvel movies because she finds a way to save the day while taking on a degree of personal damage that causes the least amount of death. And I hope that this encourages Marvel movies to be a little bit more thoughtful in their presentation of heroism. I also hope that they don't immediately try to like snatch these guys up for like eight movies, but they probably will. So, I mean, I don't know. I just view Marvel movies for what they are. Dog. You just go in there with some popcorn and get happy for a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just an adrenaline rush. It's a ride, and then you get out of there. You make us hard as their prostitutes. I mean, well, I mean, I mean they, don't they serve kind of the same purpose? Are you going home and, like, thinking, like, man, I was just rocked by that fucking speech that Michael B. Jordan gave at the end of Black Panther? No. You, you no, go in there. You know what I'm saying? You go in there, you get a charge, and then you go home. And then maybe you talk about it. Maybe you, maybe you see a YouTube video where somebody digs way too much into it. And, and that's it. You know? Like, and you put the piece together for what that means for the next movie. It's like a little fun collector's I don't, you know, like, right? I don't know, man. If they're going to destroy the movie industry, they can give me a little something extra, man. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I think that's different because, again, like, that's just kind of a response to what people want. Them. You know what I mean? Like, there are tons of people, like, you know, a lot of people, there are people who like their art house classics, and then there are the people who just want to go eat popcorn and shout at a screen for them. You find more of that. And unfortunately, that, like, fortunately or unfortunately, that kind of sets that light off for them and they want to pay to see it so i mean you're kind of a fool to not make it if they want to pay for it i mean it's, it's the business side yeah and speaking of that my my favorite movie theater in san antonio which only showed well it showed some commercial stuff but a, a majority of it was showing independent stuff that closed down this last yeah. weekend so uh, it's in a city filled of millions of people. Um, 
That really fucking stinks, but well, yeah. Oh, baby, like that's. I guess there's a way to kind of bounce around it, but I mean, it's a giant for a reason. The movie industry does it all the time. There's always something that you know they're just making a bunch of, like, making a bunch of westerns at a time. They're making a bunch of mob movies at a time. You know, whatever's got the hot hand, that's what they're gonna go with. And, You're very nihilist about Marvel killing cinema, Eric. Uh, it, yeah. I feel like she's the one you're actually going to be getting the most out of. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like the TV show is generally, they're actually trying to, to do some things they there. They went there, yeah. I still think that Hawkeye is frankly the most successful of all of them because it does not have a CGI sky fight or a portal. It's just a guy who wants to be there for his family and a daughter who wants to impress her hero. But, like, whatever. Yeah, for sure. Because it's a very, you know, real story with bows and arrows. But, like, that, there's room for that in Marvel movies, too. But I don't have the answer. That's why I'm so nihilistic about it all. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to get, like, great earth-shattering cinema back in vogue. Like, it's like I wish I That's what we answer. brought you on, Eric. What the fucking answer, boy? Yeah, I'm up I feel like there's a degree of care in Marvel plotting that really exists, whether that's in the TV shows, the movies, whatever, right? Like, every sneeze that every extra does could come into play later, like, and that's just how it is, you know? That's what they care about. But at a certain point, I think a lot of their messaging about the way that we deal with problems is not thoughtful, And I think that Mm -hmm. this movie does a really excellent job of thinking about how we deal with problems and how we deal with other people and is incredibly thoughtful about that. And I think in a time where there are so many action movies about fighting the evil, there should be space at the table for the evil that can be rehabilitated or just needs to be stopped but not ended. For sure. Yeah, there's a lot of good Marvel villains that we could, you know, that would be very useful, even just like as parts of the story. You know, you you wouldn't be able to write these comics for damn near 100 years if everybody was getting killed off. Yeah, and that's one thing that, like, I rarely, if ever, can dig Batman movies for not being faithful adaptations. Because I feel like he kind of has, like, this weird catch-and-release model Mm -hmm. of villainhood that's kind of integral to who he is. And really, every Batman movie has that. Like, every Batman movie does a different take on Batman, but Batman is still Batman, you know? Like, he's still the same guy. Wait, what, what was the uh, the fate of the Riddler in the uh, the old Batman, the, uh, the Schumacher? He, just, he, he gets fried, and they send him to Arkham. Yeah, yeah, it's all those, yeah. His brain his brain does the zappy zappy. Also, I found the Batman <laughs> Forever McDonald's cups at an antique market this weekend. Did you get the Riddler? Okay. I had the Riddler one with the question mark I handle. Did not have they did not have the Riddler, they did not have Two Face, but I have Batman and Robin now. I'm very proud of you. Remember yeah. cups? Remember Let's like 90s cups with the shit? Like the shit, bro. They they cause they, they had care in the craft. Now, you know, it's like fucking Marvel cups. You can just shill them out and get them in the way. I just didn't want us to not, because I know that you guys are huge Jamie Lee Curtis marks, and I really would like to hear languishing Jamie Lee Curtis for you. I think she did a really great job, and she knew exactly what she needed to do for this role to be successful, and she did it, and she left. <laughs> she left. I, I know that sounds pretty bad, but, like, I mean it as a very high compliment. Like, she knew exactly what she needed to do to make this movie work, 
She knew she was not starring in this movie. She gave the starring cast plenty of room and space to breathe while still being like a solid, I'd say, like fourth lead. Actually, I would say maybe even fifth lead after the grandpa. Like it's somewhere between there. But I agree with you. The scenes where she's just in the background without a single word of dialogue, but she's making it work. I think that she, (laughs) my favorite shit. (laughs) <laughs> was the lesbian saga <laughs> like, and the funny thing is they don't even really have dialogue I feel like the lesbian saga I legit don't think they said more than five words to each other yeah. it's all emoting and and uh you know finger you know as, fucking. as someone what? who has like weird food trauma though I almost had to leave the theater during that like pretty oh, much every time it came up, I thought I was gonna be sick. <laughs> Sorry, cat. No, it it was like we so admit it was gross. Straight up, if you have like any sort of disordered eating that's triggered, especially by like any sort of texture thing, don't see this movie. Just straight up. The other side of it, like yes, them emoting, them being very serious, even just like you know doing the most with a little bit of audio tools that they use it's still supposed to be a world that's ruthlessly absurd and like by yeah. all accounts a mistake because she essentially made that world by when she was trying to do you know when she's trying to do her moves or whatever it's just like she essentially like created this like ridiculous world where these two lesbians with hot dog fingers who are experienced very very real love and pain at the same time <laughs> yeah and I, i'm very certain they come ketchup and mustard which is mm-hmm. extraordinarily wild, mm-hmm. but I appreciate the balls in that. Even though it was, it was the first time I watched it, it was it was pretty gross. <laughs> it was very gross. <laughs> oh man! But Jamie Lee Curtis, man, don't fuck up Halloween three. And it's not her; it's the other people. It's Dan McBride and them. But I mean, um, she she did the best in that movie with what she was given. Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween Kills is like, all right, let me give you a quick masterclass on acting real quick. And you're like, cool, but like, I'm not really here to watch you like, I'm here to watch you be Laurie Strode. I'm not here to watch you like, be sick and sad. Like, sorry, but like, that's, it's the truth. I'm not really here to watch her like, connect with the cop who saved her life when she was a teenager that she then like, later on fucked, but like, they never, or almost fucked. Like, I, I didn't need that. Like, it was well acted and beautifully done, but, like, it added nothing, and I didn't need it. Uh, and if anything, it just made an already long and terrible movie seem longer and more terrible, not because of their performances, <laughs> but because of those other things. Uh, yeah. Jamie Lee would... Curtis is not going to win an Oscar for being Laurie Strode, and I think the sooner that we as a society accept that and stop trying to get that for her, the happier we'll all be. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I didn't yeah. know that was the goal, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, can I just give a shout out to uh, the specifically the guard with no pants on who goes for the trophy? Um, oh, in- incredible! Because that incredible that guy is like, this is my moment. Mm-hmm. I have and a chance to be the breakout star of this picture, and he just goes for it like he is trying to steal home plate it's it's really genuinely something to (laughs) it is something to behold yeah like this is proof 
you know, shout out to the thick boys of the world. They get the money. Oh. Kevin Owens, you can lose and still win the match, baby. I'm someone who did not like Thor Ragnarok, so there's not a lot of, like, genuinely funny moments in Marvel movies to me. Even the ones I love, I don't, I've never kind of really left anyone, like, side-splitting, but, like, that shit was just 50 out of 10 ridiculousness, and it was so fucking good, man. Yeah, because it's, it could be off-putting, and I, I mean, I haven't heard anybody say that it was, but you can, you know, for somebody who's looking for a regular theater experience or, you know, they're just looking for that popcorn straight ahead action. This person is this person. This person is this person. And that's yeah. it. Like, it can be kind of shaky. You know, I bring my wife up because she is kind of bad. I watch SVU because it just makes sense. You know, <laughs> yeah. I can follow every, who everybody is. Nobody changes. There's no, you know, middle of the... You know, there was a lot that that movie was doing that kind of rocks some people, makes people feel uncomfortable. Like, you know, even Cat, as much as she liked it, fucking hot dog scene, it was, you know, there was something in there to fuck with everybody, which is yeah. kind of a cool thing to me. So, um, everything, everywhere, all at once, part two, who's in? No. Nope. <laughs> I, and I think probably no for different reasons. <laughs> I'm not just trying to speak for Cat here, but I think neither of us wants a part two for the same reason, but for different reasons of those same reasons. Where it's, I already got enough. I'm pretty sure Cat already got enough. I got, I liked all that I got, and Cat is like tired. <laughs> like, oh, this I mean, they told a great story, mm-hmm. and it's over. Yeah. It doesn't need to be a franchise. It doesn't need to be an it ongoing does. series. It doesn't. They told a great story with a good ending, even though it's a long ending that took too long to fucking happen. But it ended. Or did it? It ended. I think she's the alpha character, Alpha and Evelyn now. I know the real Alpha Evelyn is dead, but she's like the Alpha and Omega Evelyn now. Mm-hmm. You can do I mean, a lot with that. Yeah, no, it's over. I feel like I'm at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where I'm like, it's over, uh, go home. Hey, all I'm saying is, if we get a standalone. Jobu <laughs> Tupaki movie. All I'm saying is, I'm gonna go see that shit. <laughs> <laughs> she got beef with her her girlfriend and shit not working out, and now they gotta work that out. Ooh. I don't know. 2024, here we come. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I mean, at at the risk of sounding like my dad, it sounds like they're out of ideas. I don't really want to pay money to see that. This, this is America, baby. But I also, would like, love to know what your dad thought of this fucking movie. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, he wouldn't see it. Like, straight <laughs> up. I'm telling you right now with full confidence. I know. That's why I kind of want We have watched, like, TV shows together, but I have not been allowed to suggest anything since Scrooge. Since Scrooge. Oh, you too. That's so... Um, that's the funniest part. It was all so, you too. Yeah, no, but yeah, so that's over. Like, that part of my life is over. It's all whatever he wants to watch now. I've learned a lot about cars. Barf. <laughs> Fucking barf, Dad. Jesus. Well, there's actually a pretty good HBO Max little docuseries called The Lady in the Dale. And it's about the Dale, which was like a three-wheeled car that, like, may or may not have actually existed. But the woman who pitched it was, like, a, a transgender woman who was a thief when she was presenting as male and then she kind of tried to go 
straight, but she wasn't good at going straight. Like, she didn't know how to go straight. So, like, despite her best efforts, the Dale kind of became a scam. It's, it's really well done. It's really interesting. I rewatched the Batman <laughs> the fucking fourth time. And I still want to see it in theaters before it gets out. So, so yeah, that that's where I'm living right now. But, I don't know, man. I would be able to... Joe Boo Joe Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Joe Boo like, 2 Electric who, Boogaloo. Where the hell did Joe Boo 1 come from? Yeah. I mean, you know gotta be paying attention. Alright. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I, yeah, I, had a, I, had a, I think a, I think a part of it was just like, I also just had a ball. You know, like it was, you know, I, sometimes I think we overthink movies and I just look like that. We definitely just as society we overthink everything, especially when you know these these other movies that have been coming out. You know, you got an Encanto where everybody thinks they got a fucking psych degree because they understood what happened, even though <laughs> they put everything on the floor for you to be like, yeah, this is what this is. Oh, you all see right there. Like I, I just kind of let go, even though this movie was definitely trying to say a bunch of stuff. I just. I just treated it like a Marvel movie, baby. I just let it go. I got all that stuff. I mean, I think I think that's kind of the point, though. Like the idea is that it's kind of like I think the for me, I kind of was like, wow, wow, this movie is like the ocean. Like when I was in it, I was really in it, mm-hmm. and then the tide went out, and that was it. Uh, you know, and I think that the same thing would happen oh. if I watched it again. And maybe this time I'd be like, oh, damn, the ocean is colder than I remember or whatever. You know, I'd pick up on something different. But like, I kind of like that the movie is almost like a transient space. Like not only it encourages you to like, I think it probably so subtly influences like how how your brain works that you don't even feel like you need to like think about it after your brain just kind of absorbed it, which I think is pretty cool for especially for a movie that complicated mm-hmm. yeah. like they make it feel so simple and organic yeah and i love like even the actors like every single person is bought in and every yeah. single person is on 10 and that's very much appreciated mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm kind of i'm kind of tongue-in-cheek i don't think they'll ever make a part two i think i think logistically because you, everything that you've possibly have put this family through, other than death, like you put them through, mm-hmm. and now I don't want to see none of them die. So, well, even uh, then, so, though, like there are versions of them where the other person has died. Like there's a a moment oh, where yeah. it seems like uh, Wayman is gonna die. She mourns Alpha Wayman straight up. He and he mourned Alpha Evelyn. Even that death has happened. A bunch of times. What do you say? Like thousands of times? Yeah. I mean, infinite yeah. times. But this is number four on the best movies I've... Uh, my favorite movies of the year. This is number four. Just above Worst Person in the World, which I gave that five stars as well. And directly below Network, Perfect Blue, and The Last Picture Show. I need to if, see if it, the, the Worst Person in the World. You know, the funny thing is, I'm not going to spoil it because I don't like to spoil anything for anybody, but I think there's going to be a lot about that movie that you will resonate with. And 
it's not necessarily a flattering movie by any stretch of the means, but I think there's a lot of honesty about how people kind of in me and Eric's generation kind of process stuff and how people kind of of your generation sort of process stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though, I mean, we're technically the same generation, but with every, like life in the last 20, 30 years has been such as kind of breakneck speed pace that a lot of people are just kind of trying to catch up to what they feel. But I think that disconnect, they kind of really talk about that in a very kind of positive way. Well, in a really kind of honest way. I don't think it's streaming anywhere yet, but I would definitely catch that. That was my favorite movie of the year before everything and we were all at once. Rebranded the Bijou back in 2003, the movie theater inside Wonderland of the Americas, formerly Crossroads Mall, opened back in 1987. It's long been known as San Antonio's only art house. Now that it's closed, Santicos Entertainment is announcing new plans to keep that indie spirit alive. This was a communal space. Classic films, foreign films, award-winning indies. Expect to see something interesting. Expect to be challenged. The Bijou Cinema Bistro, a place for dinner and a movie, before or during the movie. Oh, and no kids allowed. It was a very special theater. But after 35 years, the Bijou is no more. Not that I had inside information or anything, but it's something that I expected. Nathan Cohn of Texas Public Radio curates the summer film series Cinema Tuesdays, which called the Bijou home nearly 20 years. When it comes to a dedicated movie house, a dedicated theater for, you know, we're going to make this be our place to show the independent films. Um, unless you're a nonprofit operating that theater, then it's very difficult to do that now. A shift only accelerated by the pandemic. Looking at the art films, we just weren't getting the product. Andrew Brooks of Santico says just look at this year's best picture race at the Oscars. Amazon's bidding on them, Apple's bidding on them, Netflix is bidding on them. Streaming services are picking up a lot of those pictures that would have been shown in theaters. We can't knock them. They're trying to make a profit too, but those limited releases have been harder for us to get at an individual location. And yet, Santicos is making sure the Bijou legacy lives on, putting the spotlight on independent cinema at its other theaters throughout the city. We're excited to showcase the talent from all across the world at our big dogs, the Palladium, Casablancas, and Cibolos of the world. Santicos plans to call it the Bijou series. We're going to come up with a new cool logo. We're going to build a website page that'll be homage to the Bijou, where you can actually go on You'll click on the Bijou series and you'll see exactly where those films are playing and at what times. I'm so happy that people will be able to experience uh, some of these movies on a big screen and with an audience. So this new strategy of being able to showcase them all across the fleet, I think is going to be really popular for them and us. And they have the screens to do it. I mean, let's face it. So while it was a tough decision, we're still excited for the future. Yo, yo, yo. Before we get out of here... There's only really been two ever movie theaters in my life that have ever closed down that meant something to me. When I was growing up, when me and my mom moved to suburban Maryland from D.C., we lived in a a little town called New Carrollton. And it's in PG County, and it's big enough. It's busy enough. (laughs) But up the street from us used to be New Carrollton Mall, right off Annapolis Road. And it used to have an AMC theater there. And during the summers when I had nothing to do, I used to walk to that theater to watch movies. And I know what you did last summer, Bride of Chucky, things of that nature, I would be young enough to actually catch. But unfortunately, 
New Carrollton Mall closed and then the AMC theater closed also. A couple of weeks ago, a movie theater that kind of became near and dear to my heart closed in San Antonio, the uh, the Bijou. And since I came here in 2017, and it never really hit me until kind of thinking about it, but it's one of the oldest things that I still kind of really kind of connected with in San Antonio. When I first moved out here, that was one of the first movie theaters that I would go to on a regular basis. And pandemic hit. Obviously, I didn't go out to movies at all. But when things kind of relaxed and, you know, got vaccinated, got boosted, I started going back to the movies. And the Bijou was my favorite movie theater, possibly of all time. It wasn't necessarily, I would say, the best. Um, I've been in theaters with better seat qualities, better screen quality, better sound quality. But that didn't really matter. Bijou had character. And it was somewhere that you can kind of nestle in, be relatively unbothered, and enjoy a good flick. And as the video kind of alluded to, you could catch a lot of our house, a lot of independent cinema there. So a lot of my favorite movies over the last couple of years, I got to see there, got to witness, and got to fall in love with. And a couple of movies that I just want to shout out. Some good, some great, not so great, some not so good that happened to catch at the Bijou over the last couple of years. The Farewell, Clemency, The Best Movie of 2019, Portrait of Lady on Fire, Wendy, 2021's Candyman, which, yuck, <laughs> Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, The Two Best Movies of 2021, Come On, Come On, and Dune, House of Gucci, Barf, <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home, The Matrix Resurrections, and the last movie I ever caught at the Bijou was Parallel Mothers. I know in the video they talked about Santicos, the uh, conglomerate that eventually bought out the Bijou, will kind of spread along independent movies throughout the rest of the cinemas throughout San Antonio. But for me, this is something they could have been doing all along, and so I don't necessarily trust it. But we kind of want to wait and see basis. So. This one's for you, Bijou. Love you. Rest in peace. And thank you for listening to the episode. Love you guys too. Bye. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. Be sure to read us at catseasmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.com. WordPress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?